Welcome to Somewhere and Elsewhere, a Coastal Carolina Arts Podcast by Short Sides. I'm Kevin Lee Y. Green. Coming up next, a Somewhere and Elsewhere special where we uncover stories from artists across the coastal region. Hi, this is Christian Green with Short Sides News. When severe weather rolls through, many North Carolinians have to do what they can to protect not only themselves, but also their belongings. Valuables, electronics, precious photos, family heirlooms. Folks have to act to protect these things and more from damage caused by flooding and high winds. Protecting yourself, your family, and your neighbors is already a heavy task. But for museums and art galleries, protecting precious belongings takes on a whole different meaning. These places store the things that we agree have important value for our culture, and therefore they need to be protected. So, to better understand how these organizations bunker down before a storm, I called up someone in charge of exactly that. My name is Lynn Anderson, and I'm the collections manager of the North Carolina Maritime Museum System. Lynn is responsible for three separate museums. The Graveyard of the Atlantic Museum in Hatteras, the North Carolina Maritime Museum in Southport near Wilmington, and the original North Carolina Maritime Museum that's been located in Beaufort for over four decades. As collections manager, Lynn's role extends over all aspects of the museum. We work on exhibits, we procure artifacts, we process them, we create records, and we store them and try to store them safely and put them on exhibit, especially when we have storms such as the one coming up. When you live on the coast, there always seems to be one coming up. They go by many names. This time, Isias. Other times, Matthew, Florence, or Fran. Anderson's been in her position for over 35 years, 11 of those on the North Carolina coast. So she's seen her fair share of emergencies. And in response, she's crafted a plan. A few plans, actually. We have one plan for keeping the people and the buildings safe, and then a second plan that I developed that focuses on artifacts. Most of our artifacts are inside cases, on mounts, sewn or tied in place so they don't move around. They can sustain people leaning on them and pushing on them. Items in storage are often in containers within containers. Very thick plexiglass cases. We have plastic rolls, sheeting, that we roll down on the sides of our shelves. Every it's time heavy duty, it's weighted at the bottom. It protects from wind and there water. There are a few items on exhibit that are out in the open. We have a um, giant block and tackle. 12 foot, no, 11 foot long boat model. Anything that's out in the open, we wrap this queen around. Beaufort, there is a very large anchor, but it is cemented into the ground. And uh, it would really be something to bring that There's not going to be a leak through those porthole windows, and we have a lot of them. They're uh, triple-pane glass. They have UV filters, no fading. The other thing I might mention is we have emergency kits at all three sites. I put them together myself. They're filled with recommended material that you'd need in emergencies. I got a little carried away in Beaufort, so we have two. There's clipboards and pencils, hard hat, rubber boots, so that if you have to walk around in water, supplies to dry off paper, flashlights, of course, because we're expecting we could lose electricity. Also, a copy of our plan in the box. I have one in my car at all times. I have one at home. So I've got my plan with me wherever I am. 
That was entirely from memory. So suffice to say, when Lynn says she has plans, I believe her. An interesting part of the plan she mentioned is a list which actually ranks which items to save first in case of a dire emergency. Priorities would be other people's property. Those are loans. We have legal agreement to protect those first. Second would be unique and valuable items that cannot be easily replaced. So those might include a lighthouse lens, some of the unique Queen Anne Revenge archaeological items, mm -hmm. and a few pieces that really symbolize our museum that people mm -hmm. have been seeing for 60 years. Speaking with Lynn, I kept thinking about the kind of person who could put in all this effort behind the scenes, doing work that, if everything goes well, no one will know about. I asked her if this penchant for planning was just part of her personality. I am a super planner. I am a yeah. super planner, but, um, you know, I've been doing this for uh, 35 years, so it is important. You know, I take the stewardship of the collection real seriously. My boss expects me to, and uh, so I want to do the best I can to keep the treasures safe for future generations of North Carolinians. That was Lynn Anderson, collections manager and super planner of the North Carolina Maritime Museum System. Up next, a slightly more, let's call it, community-based approach to emergency preparedness. My name is Chris Sowen, and I'm the executive director of Dare County Arts Council on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. The Dare County Arts Council is located on Roanoke Island. Unlike the museums, this gallery is housed in a building that wasn't exactly designed to protect artwork from hurricanes. We're probably the other end of the spectrum from folks at a museum. We're in an old courthouse building built in 1904. Uh, it is like one football field away from the waterfront. In terms of sea level, it's probably, you know, maybe two feet. So if the sea level rises in the sound where we are, um, it really doesn't take much to get the floodwaters to our doorstep. And when the water levels do threaten to rise, there's only one kind of plan for this courthouse gallery. A lot of the stuff that you need to do in our case is it's just picking it up mm -hmm. and moving it upstairs. And it's doing it, you know, a hundred times in two hours. There is a procedure. There, There is a sort of a recipe. You know, we start with the stuff that's that's lowest to the floor. And if we know it's going to be a, a moderate storm, we can just put that stuff up. But if, we're, if we know there's something big coming, what we'll do is we'll just take every piece of art and some of our furniture upstairs to the courtroom. And it literally was the courtroom. There was a hundred years of high profile trials that were there. There was an episode of Matlock that was filmed there. Just like in Matlock, there's definitely drama in the courtroom when a storm is on its way. But luckily for Chris, he's not in it alone. He told me one story of a group who helped him out when the gallery suffered some minor water damage in 2016. I'm sitting there like, woe is me, because I know it's going to be like closed for a month, new carpets. And this group of kids from a local church just walk in and it's like 20 of them, <laughs> you know, uh, small folks just taking this huge problem and bit by bit. 
uh, taking painting by painting, piece of jewelry, a case, a box of files, and, um, and we're done in like an hour and a half. Another time, county members brought in dehumidifiers and helped cut up a destroyed carpet. Once a neighbor happened to walk by and offered to let them borrow a door dam that Chris estimates probably saved them tens of thousands of dollars in repairs. For most storms, Chris says preparations can be handled by himself and a small team of three or four staff members and some volunteers. But he feels safe knowing he has a community around him that he can rely on when the gallery really needs it. Uh, if we see something that's big that's coming, we've got a core group of people who will help prepare and then volunteers in, in the hundreds and I know we can always count on at least 30 to 50 showing up if we say we need them. What we don't have in terms of like a building that's built for a hurricane or big storms like that, I think that our asset is, is the community because for us, it's really the people that, that come to save the day. So there you have two very different approaches to hurricane preparedness. Despite their differences, neither organization reports that a single piece has been damaged during their tenures, except once a little water got into the copy machine at Chris's art gallery. He says the staff named it George, and it continued functioning for a whole six years after. Though sometimes, and I quote, it didn't quite work just right. I asked both of this show's voices for an update after the hurricane swept through on Monday night. Lynn reported that the roof of the Southport Museum had lost just a few shingles, but no location suffered any leakage or major damage. Chris said that he hadn't gotten much sleep. When water levels began to rise deep into the late night, he drove to the gallery to keep watch through the morning, just in case. Both of them were back at work the next day, preparing for the next storm. been listening to Somewhere and Elsewhere, a Coastal Carolina arts podcast from Working Narratives and Shoresides. Shoresides is a local journalism project serving the Coastal Carolinas and beyond. Know of a Coastal Carolina artist we should be covering? Contact us at info at shoresides.org. I'm Kevin Lee Y. Green. Thank you for listening.